the Buddha said that the development of tranquility could be preceded by the development of insight. And that the development of insight could be preceded by the development of tranquility. And then, and at some point, tranquility and insight should be yoked evenly together. The intention is not for this to be a samadhi retreat. We are bringing together, yoking evenly together, the development, the cultivation of the steadiness, the undistractedness, the unification of mind, and the discernment, the wisdom, the insight. within the broader context of bringing these together, emphasizing uh, the importance of both, the value of both. Day by day, moment to moment, we find ourselves, perhaps it feels like we're leaning on the concentrations, the samadhi side, is in what feels like is being that cultivation is, is being emphasized. We don't, aren't necessarily choosing. It's that's the way the practice is unfolding, or we've, we'll find ourselves leaning on the insight side. Whether that's happening within within the clear mind, the unified mind, or during the times when um, we're not steady, the mind's more scattered, or difficulties are arising, and we find our, it feels like we're emphasizing more of the insight side. So there's an inevitable waxing and waning, leaning slightly one way or another, and it's just the ups and downs, the weaving in and out, the uh, inevitable change. So if we've had a day or a sit that's felt clear and easy, pleasant, steady, then the next day or the next sit, um, it seems like we've lost all of that or it feels like we're falling apart in some way or we're struggling. Nothing has gone wrong. It's just what's happening. And so as we begin today, um, I invite you to, um, if, if you find that there's some sense of got to get, whatever that is, or got to get rid of, or get away from. Just, you know, bring some awareness to that. That's what's happening in the moment. And then see if you can relax around that the best you can. That's not always easy to do. And we, we just do the best we can. And then we work with what we have. Use what you have. If the steadiness, the concentration feels weak or feeble, either in a particular sit in a day or if that's been your whole retreat, then bring, bring some awareness, some appreciation, connect with the quality of patience that you've had to keep coming back, showing up over and over. That's a strength. It's a power. It's a support. Or the courage it can take to face ourselves one more time, our worry or our grief or our sadness or our fear or our anger or our frustration or our boredom. 
takes a persistence. These qualities are available even if we think uh, the the, we're having a difficult time, we're not getting what we want, perhaps we're not so concentrated. We had a different idea of what we wanted. Let yourself feel that you, the, the strengths of those qualities, the persistence, the patience, the courage, whatever, whatever the quality uh, that you connect with, and let that be your support. Use that. If the mind's steady and clear, the undistractedness well established, or feeling concentrated, let that be your support. That power, the momentum, the strength of that samadhi, let it. Uh, use it to uh, as an ally to bring you even more intimately in connection with the breath, with yourself. Let it aid you to be more intimate, more close up, more immersed in the breath. And if things change, when things change, if we can remember, the best we can, not falling into a struggle, not getting in an adversarial relationship with with ourselves, with our own being, with our experience, but just looking to what what's happening now and what's needed, what's most supportive, what's more skillful. As the samadhi strengthens, it builds its own momentum. And so if that's happening for you, check out for yourself. Notice how much more effortless, how much less effort is needed in staying present and connecting how much clearer the mind can be. That's the power of samadhi. It's a great support. The image that's often used for right effort is balanced effort and the image is of a stringed instrument and in order to have the beautiful music, the strings cannot be too tight or too lax. You have to find the exact, the right balance. So we need to stay attuned to, to what's the right touch, the right kind of effort, the right amount of effort in any moment. When the concentration is building, As it, its own momentum begins to take over, 
to learn to ratchet back, relax back our effort in balance with allowing it its own momentum to happen so it can feel more and more like not so much we're doing, but it's doing us. It starts to take on its own, a sense of happening on its own more. So our job is to meet the breath with... mm, Bring as much effort as you need to stay connected, but no more. Don't overthink it. Just feel in the best you can. Keep it simple and light. And what does it feel like to let the power of the samadhi... Um, it, it is what's taking and engaging the awareness into connection, into absorption, into immersion with the breath. And we're uh, letting go, ratcheting back, resting back, uh, at least some degree. The amount of effort needed becomes lighter.
this place of balance between doing, putting in effort, not putting effort, doing and letting go is an important piece. Uh, the deeper places of samadhi are, are not places of, they are places of letting go, not doing. And in fact, uh, last night when Temple was talking about um, this progression through the jhanas and they're not stages of gaining more and more. They're stages of simplifying and letting go as jhana factors drop away. So, um, uh, and ulti- so ultimately, um, the part of us doing has really, it feels like it's completely dropped away and the practice is doing us. And uh, so the other, but... Of course, and in the beginning, it, can, it feels almost like it's just all us doing and there's not much momentum. And then there's, um, you know, most of our meditation careers were somewhere in, in, in between. And so then it's um, finding the place of, you know, just how, how might, what percentage is us doing and what percentage is just tuned in. So it, it does us and let it take us. And um, if, as long as we can... Uh, just be honest with what's happening and, and, and as clear as we can be. We don't have to worry about it too much. But as you'll see for yourself, if we let go too, mu- too much, don't have enough, we don't bring enough of the doing or the effort, it will, we'll wander, we'll space out, and we'll have to do more to stay connected. And if we overdo it, uh, it can feel like uh, too much work. We get tight. We can get tense. And uh, it actually is, um, you can feel that um, uh, it's kind of, it's like contracting around something that wants to open and expand, and, and, and we learn to tune into that. And I, a few days ago, someone, forgot who it was, but someone in here asked a question, a good question around wanting to, a feeling, wanting to press, meant sort of press the awareness or press with the mind into the experience. If you don't know what that is, don't worry about it, but... When that happens, it's pretty. It's not supposed to happen or not happen, but you'll you'll be aware, and there can be a feeling with the mind wanting to press. At some stages, uh, um, I don't have a strong opinion about it. I've heard some teachers say, "Don't press." I've heard others who whose practice I respect say, "Well, if you want to press with the mind, it's okay." I've uh, had some experience around that myself, and. Um, you know, times where I've wanted to press, it feels like, you know, I just want more. And uh, which, of course, was just my greedy mind. You know, it's funny, I remember, that just reminds me of a time on retreat where, um, this is many years ago, and, you know, it, it was just opening, I was getting into new territory, and it was opening beautifully, and I got into these great meditative states. It was like better than, because it was new, so I didn't even know what it could be, and the it was, mine was so beautiful. And rather than just a sense of satisfaction and contentment and just a wholesome opening and letting it suffuse, I remember the, the voice in my mind, and just to give you an idea how corrupted my, my mind was, with this tone of voice, more. <laughs> so it took what was inherently could be wholesome and it just turned it into a, a corruption, an object of craving. Right? So, it, so it can happen. And of course, we, I learned because it's, it's just a suffering generator. So anyway, you know, finding that, uh, but at some point, I'm really not, I'm of two minds about the pressing with the mind early on, but there's no doubt that when we get to a point where we really can feel its own momentum wanting to take over, we don't want to get that pressing going then because then we're, we're, we're upping the, 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 we're doing the exact opposite of what I think is needed where we're upping the effort because to really strengthen it when, when exactly the opposite's needed, letting go back. And so we experiment for yourself with that and see for yourself. Uh, so we have some time if there are any um, questions. Yes, Stan. Um, uh, last night, Temple was talking about working like the, um, the water through the soap powder and working through the body, and um, that, that it's pleasurable to do that. Is that different from the pressing you're talking about? Yes, that is different. Um, so, um, and, you know, since you were, t- I'll say something, but perhaps you might want to add two to it. I'll just give you my perspective on it. So this, it's, it's a, 
So what's really happening, the pressing is, uh, when we're talking about that, that's just the amount of efforting we're doing. But the soap powder, what's, think about what's happening is, and I thought it was, he said it great, you have powder and you have water, so they're two things. And then you, you were putting in a certain amount of effort the bath man is needing, so there's an efforting going on there. So some amount of doing, it's not necessarily pressing, it's probably the right amount that's needed. You know, he's not going to be jumping up and down, and he's just going to do the, the amount that's needed. All right? And what happens is the water and the soap come together, and it's created something new, a new thing. That's soap. I mean, you know, the molecularly, it's the same bits or whatever, but it's, it's come into something new. It's, it's unified or brought together, merged, blended water soap into something new. And so there's a few things about that. There's the piece of the effort. So there is some working we're doing leading up to, even up to jhana. So it's, but it's finding the right balance there. You know, once, once he's got soap, I doubt the bath man, he's got a cake of soap. He's not going to sit there. He's, he's, he's got his cake. <laughs> you can go enjoy a nice bath or whatever. <laughs> so, so you, you know, then, so it's, but the other piece around the suffusing is, is that regardless of the amount of effort, whether or how much effort or whether it's happening on its own, it's also pointing to a, a whole other piece of, well, just like, for example, what we're doing with, say, breath and these experiences of samadhi, we said that sometimes it can feel like they're kind of, in our awareness, start to come together and blend, and that can become the new... I wish I could find a better word than object, but I'm just not articulate enough. So it's the new object. Uh, yeah. So, and it's, it's this new, it's blended. Even though there's breath is in there, experience of samadhi, it's blended. So that's an example. PT can suffuse in the body, and, and it's in that same thing. We'll get further along, right? And it opens up the whole body, it's suffused. And then really what happens at that stage is, instead of breath, it's body and Samadhi have have or, or PT so all the experiences the nimittas the experiences of samadhi jhana factors and body have now become this one experience. Yeah. Okay. Did you want to say anything? Um, a funny image came. I used to lead camping trips for young boys. And when I made the cream of wheat in the morning, if I was too quick about it, I would dump in too much cream of wheat, and it would cause lumps. And I had to call them dumplings <laughs> to make them palatable. <clears throat> and it didn't change the taste, but it changed the concept. <laughs> um, so if I notice that there's a part of me um, that I can't feel that deeply into, it's a little bit numb or stiff or opaque and what I'll do is I'll accept it and so rather than needing it which is um, I, it's hard for me to put a lot of effort in um, without it trying to get somewhere and then it brings in a complication of where am I trying to get to so I often just acknowledge that there's a part of me that I can't feel so much into and that acknowledgement can begin an opening process just even oh yeah here's this part a little shut down there, it's a little numb, and I can feel there's a little dull pain. If I even begin to kind of slowly uh, soak that area with my awareness, it tends to open. And as it opens, it tends to come in to be integrated, part of the whole. So that's what I do, is just make sure that I don't have dumplings in my body <laughs> of my non-awareness. <clears throat> and sometimes when you bite into the dumplings, it's just powder still in the core. And so... <laughs> There's a place where your awareness just has not gotten to your body. And rather than walking around with this, you know, all these areas that you're, you're not willing to acknowledge, acknowledge the whole of your body. And that acknowledgement begins to be, as Richard said, as we begin to saturate ourselves, first it comes with patience and acceptance of the whole body just as it is. And then that does slowly begin to, um, to open up parts where there's numbness or stiffness or some part we're just not familiar with that part of our body as intimate with other parts. I just wanted to follow up on that. That process of sort of realizing that there's a part of yourself
so I'll say something, and, and if it brings up something, you know, we'll, we might both answer. You know, this is this, uh, it's a balance. It's of, of so, um, look, there's going to be, when you're flying an airplane, my understanding, I'm not a pilot, but my understanding is, but the image works whether this is the way it, act, it works or not. <laughs> is that, <laughs> but if you're going, whatever the, your heading is, that you're, you're not ex- ever exactly perfectly on course, and there may be little adjustments that are making. So as we're maybe at some stage in our lives or in our practice, as we're learning, we might be way off course before we realize it, and then we make a correction, and then we might overcorrect way back or something, and so we're doing the best we can. And as we gain experience, come to know ourselves better, our minds, our bodies, our hearts, um, we're naturally more on track, more. And when we're off, it's littler amounts and for not as deeply and not as long, and we're more attuned. So first thing that strikes me is what you're sharing actually is a lot of awareness of that's, that's, can, it may not feel subtle to you, but for many people that might be subtle, subtle, right? They think, okay, I'm letting go. But now you're saying, oh, there's some other energy even under that. that and so I think that that's a lot of awareness uh, and really just to acknowledge that. And so then it's like, well, as, as we, and we don't worry about the parts we can't see, right? I, I want to come back in a moment, but this is important, right? We, the reason we call certain parts of ourselves blind spots is by definition we can't see them. So we don't worry about that. And in fact, there's a wonderful image by uh, the author, uh, Yale Doctorow, about writing a novel. But I like to, I'll just substitute when he says writing a novel, I'm going to co-opt his quote and use it as living life or Dharma practice. He says, Dharma practice is like driving a car at night. You can only see as far as the headlights but you can complete a journey of a thousand miles that way. So we see as much or as, as beautiful, and it takes the pressure off. So you see what you can see. And then we make our best uh, response. We engage in the best way we can. Given, and then we've moved a little further. Now maybe we can see a little more. And, then we use, and so it's an unfolding process. And so now you... Perhaps this is new insights, or maybe you've always known this. You see what you can see. So that opens up the possibility of other levels of skillful action and other levels of letting go around that. So exactly what's needed, I mean, there may be a specific answer that one of us could give, or you might come to your own answer, but um, it's by tuning in like that. And so then I can ask you, and you don't have to say out it, maybe it's just a rhetorical question for you, but uh, I mean, just a... Uh, uh, something for you to explore is so then what do you do when you notice that what can help you let go more you can never let go too much we can fall out of balance with the amount of effort but you know if we just uh, when we say let go that doesn't mean space out and stop trying let go is I mean we, we, we don't tie ourselves in a knot. We, we're more open and receptive and actually more present than ever. And we have a better chance than ever, the more deeply we can let go, to then open to the possibility of, of the most wise and skillful and helpful, useful response. So the more deeply we can let go, then the answer may be, I need to up the effort more or let, drop the effort back. I need to learn how to how to uh, maybe I check into my body and it's and I notice that there's some holding and um, or you know maybe there's places I've I've not I, I realize I'm out of touch with or whatever and we just bring more and more awareness and we listen to that inner knowing our inner teacher so that's a general answer but you know I don't know exactly but so then it gets more specific when you notice that there's some overdoing or stress or whatever and you want to or whatever the situation is and you want to learn to let go around it but then you notice there's really some aversion underneath that or something how does that inform a deeper place of maybe letting go around that or at least knowing if you can't let go around it sometimes things can self-liberate just by shining the light of awareness on them helpful yeah 
Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's definitely a loop where I say, all right, well, I need to let go of this. And yeah. I say, all right, I'm letting go of this. Now it's time for it to go. Right, right. But that, you know, that's, a, that's a, such an important place, and I think you're speaking probably for all of us at some points, you know. Uh, just one other, we're up against the clock. I'll just tell you one quick thing. I was uh, on a camping trip with uh, my wife once, and we were on this like nine-day backpack, and I think it was like three days in, and we had these bear cans where we put the food and put them just, I don't know, one thinking, just put them near the tent. In the middle of the night, my wife wakes me up. There's a bear right outside our tent, you know, getting in the food. And um, I'm just like, oh, man, you know. <laughs> and so she says, what should we do? She sa- and, and I said, well... We could get out of the tent and bang pots and pans, or we could lie in the sleeping bags, shaking like a leaf. I vote for lying in the sleeping bags, shaking like a leaf. And then she said, let's send Meta to the bear. And so... But, but so I was thinking, you know, may you, but what I was, re- so the words were, you know, may you be, <laughs> but what was really going underneath that was, go away, bear, go away. <laughs> so anything can get tinged with aversion. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, sorry. Uh, just two, <laughs> two quick announcements. One is um, somewhat, you don't, don't have to raise your hand here, but uh, you might recognize if you're the person who wrote this note, um, I took it off the board, and I haven't had a chance to read it. I'm going to. Um, I just glanced at it and noticed that perhaps you forgot, or maybe it was intentional, but you didn't. there's not a name. So um, if it's a note that's looking for a response, I, I can't respond. So if, if that's your note, you could just leave me another note saying, you know, it's from me, whatever. <laughs> and and that would, I could respond. And the second thing I just want to suggest is, um, I haven't, Check with Temple, but, but let's just kind of process it together. Um, you know, we have these two coolers in the back, and if it gets warm here in the afternoon, when we turn those on, there can be some noise. So it's a trade-off, heat or noise. What would serve most of us the best? And one thing I thought is, if it, if it feels warm, so we have to check it out, it might not be hot, and then we don't want to make it too cold in here. Um, at 12.30, when we go to lunch, we could they want us to close the windows. We could turn those on during the... the the break, cool it off. When we come back from the sits, turn it off, and then maybe even during that walking period, turn it back on, and that way, keep it cool in here. So if we're going to do that, we don't want to get too many cooks in here, but uh, anyway, there's a power button on the top of each one. They say it's obvious. I haven't looked. And so if, some, if we're not in here and you want to do it, just hit the button. You hit it later. It'll turn it off. And just remember that windows should be closed when it's on, and then we can open the windows up. Does that seem reasonable? And that's during walking periods. Yeah, and that, I was thinking that's the balance, and then being able to keep it quiet during the sit, but we still cooled it off. Okay, people are nodding. Yeah. Maybe it's better not to open the windows again until it's cooler. Okay. Uh, okay. So, uh, so let's uh, let, uh, let's yeah. So yeah, <laughs> here we go. <laughs> the door should be shut too, because otherwise. Okay. So, yeah, I'm a delusion type. I don't really know, but uh, so we'll figure that out, and maybe we'll ask the managers what they typically want around that. So, thank you for for those two things. Okay. I just one question on that: um, How many people were here in the second Sunday in the afternoon? Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.